Um, so I want to thank you for being on the Running Educator podcast, of course. And, um, you know, I, I read your book. Uh, actually, I heard the book, which goes back to the whole, like, got to listen to the author speak. And, you know, I'm hoping throughout this conversation, we can talk a little bit about your book and your experience, get into the warrior's armor. That, that was one thing that really kind of stuck out to me. Um, I think a lot of people have that metaphor in their life. Um, but I just, I just felt compelled that I have to find out and have you a little elaborate a little bit more on it. Um, and, and I think it's so meaningful now, especially now with everything and where we're at in in the world and as people and, uh, and the human beings trying to get better and then talk a little bit about how we can help, um, young people with eating disorders and going forward. Um, cause a lot of that from what you've been through, I mean, mentally, it's just astounding. So it's amazing. And you're an amazing human being. I want to thank you so much again. It's so yeah. awesome to, you know, reach out and connect and you're like, sure. And I was like, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so if anything, just kind of give us a little bit about your running career, um, elaborate on your books and all that and where you kind of, you know, obviously I don't want to give too many things away for those people who have not read your book, but I do want to try to get as many people to read your book. And then, um, kind of what you're up to now so yeah so for me I haven't been a professional runner um you know very long uh so in the grand scheme of things I signed with the North Face like in 2015 um and actually I've been a scientist longer than I've been a runner um I think it all starts for me with curiosity and I've been a curious since I was a little girl and that motivated me to go to grad school um for a PhD program in neuroscience and physiology. Um, And then because I was curious, I started kind of exploring uh, running, um, you know, in in graduate school. So, you know, my early 20s is when I kind of started running. Um, And, you know, I've always been an athlete, but I was never, I was even more into ball sports. I had a tennis scholarship in college. Um, But it wasn't until I was in graduate school that I started to appreciate the simplicity of running. Uh, you know, I would only need a pair of tennis shoes and I was living in a big city at the time in Denver, Colorado. And, um, ironically I started running just on the roads and, um, I of course was just curious. And so I, you know, started running more and I was with this amazing run club. Um, just, it was like this group of, you know, early 50 year old women who would meet at five in the morning and we'd start running. And it was just the best because they just loved running And they had been running partners for like 30 years and they were like teaching me everything about, you know, running. And, and one of the, the, the ladies there, um, she happened to be a trail runner. And, um, in addition to her, you know, like speedy marathon times back in the day. Um, and so she not only trained me for my first marathon in 2012, she also introduced me to trail running and, um, you know, I, I like to say that the kind of the rest is history. I did like my first road marathon and, um, I did another one after that. And I was like, this is not for me. Like, and it, kind of in my build up to these, these road marathons, I would use Sundays as my recovery run, which was on a trail. And, um, growing up in Colorado, I was, I was familiar with trails, but I never knew that you could run them. And so then once I started combining running on trails, um, it was just this whole new world that opened up to me. And I, again, just became curious about where that could take me. And, um, you know, lo and behold, I started this kind of like ultra running. Um, (laughs) 
so that so the curiosity was basically what how far you can push your body is that kind of where you're leaning towards okay yeah and i was just curious about um specifically after i ran a marathon you know um and then on the trails like learning about these ultra distance marathons you could go like 31 miles or like up to 50 miles or 100 miles and they're all off like on trail or like through the mountains with elevation gain and I just became very curious about like physically how I could do that, how my body could handle it. And, um, the coolest thing about running, I mean, I'm a scientist, like the coolest thing about it is that you can see progress as you go and, you know, you can see yourself getting better. You can see your body adapting. You can like feel it adapting if it gets less sore or, you know, you feel good on these runs or they're getting faster. Um, you're getting more proficient at going uphill versus downhill. Um, I just really liked that aspect about running and especially trail running. And, um, yeah, it was just, it was, it was fun for me. And it wasn't until like, I actually had no intention of, you know, becoming a sponsored athlete or even competing. I just started kind of doing these trail races because they were in interesting places in the United States, um, that I hadn't been able to explore as an adult. And it was kind of a cool excuse to get away from lab and to go, explore on the weekends and, you know, run these races. And I happened to discover that I was like pretty good at it, like <laughs> right. pretty early on. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that, that goes with, you know, the nickname of Hilly Goat. So, I mean, yeah. obviously that there's something to back up with that. Uh, you know, um, what was your first ultra then? Yeah. So my first ultra was actually the Moab red hot 55 K. Um, okay. this is like only a couple months after my first marathon. And this is like early 2013, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, went horribly. I had no idea how to run an ultra. And so I was just <laughs> like, I was like, you're supposed to walk, right? Okay. I'm going to walk. Cause I need to like, I don't know what's going to happen after <laughs> mile 26. Um, so I think I finished it in like six hours and like, I mean, it wasn't impressive. I was like, I like wore pants in the desert. Like it was like bad. I was just like overheating, like not prepared like it was. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, I think, I think the funny thing with, with ultra running and like you're saying, there is a science to it and how your body can adapt to it. And, you know, uh, it goes all the way down to the socks. If you want to get that specific with it, you know, those a type people that just got to have everything dialed in. Yeah. And so uh, how many, how many ultras have you had under your belt or have you under your belt? So now, oh man. Um, so after that first one, like I kind of took a little bit of a break. And then in 2014, I, um, started doing kind of more like steeper, um, more technical races. Um, but now, oh man, I've raced, I don't even know, like average of like six or seven a year for the past, like, um, I mean, I'm counting training runs too. Um, so oh, okay. there's probably even more than that, like not just races. So right. probably more than that. If you say like 10, I guess, um, okay. so like over 60, probably. Wow. That's, that's, that's awesome. Um, yeah. so, and that, that, that's awesome that, that you have that job that kind of coincides, allows you to have that time and, and, you know, to, to train. And, and so that's, that's, uh, pretty, pretty crazy. So, um, <laughs> So going, going into your book, um, I know you talked a lot about that, that warrior's armor and the, the warrior's mentality. Can you elaborate a little bit more on what, what first kind of what the warrior armor is to you and then what that, that creed or, or metaphor really is in life? <laughs> yeah. And so um, 
basically I had, so the, the book that I wrote, it's about this experience I had kind of during one of my races. Um, and I, like, yeah, not to like give too much away, but uh, right. you should read the book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I had um, a pretty severe accident in 2017 during one of my races. And so chapter one kind of like sets the tone of like what happened. And so it's, it's, I was basically severely injured, um, told I would never, was never going to be able to run again. And I had this huge recovery in front of me. And so my book, I, I describe it as kind of a testament to human resilience and an invitation to people, to anyone who's struggling to kind of take that as an invitation to learn and to become better and to not let something be defined as impossible, but kind of, you know, to accept the challenges and, and learn from it. And so um, yeah, the way of the warrior, this is kind of one of my favorite chapters in the book that I write about, um, because I felt so where it all came from is it came from my first trail running shoe. Um, and this is called the Bushido. And, um, it's, I like, I was a tennis player in college. And so when I started running, I wore this Bushido's trail running shoe and it was, um, it felt secure because it felt like a tennis shoe. It felt like really stable, like laterally, um, and so the more I, I really love this shoe and I felt like every time I was, you know, wearing it, I was like kind of putting on a little like, you know, thing that would protect me or like a little like, you know, like tool or like a piece of armor. And ironically, I found out that Bushido means like way of the warrior. It's kind of it's from Japanese culture, like in the samurai and um yeah, this whole kind of this idea of like, oh, the way of the warrior. And I just, I loved that. And it's something that kind of st stuck with me. And so then when I went through this incredible recovery um, journey, um, I was thinking that, you know, that, you know, when I was asked to do it, I had this, it's like the, the way of the warrior to me is something that's innate. It's part of you. You don't have to wear your armor all of the time. Like I didn't have to wear my Bushido shoe all of the time, but I had it just in case I needed it. I had it, you know, I have this, this thing that I can carry with me that is part of me. It's like, it's this tool that I have, um, or it's a skill. It's like, whatever, it's the way of the warrior. It's part of you. It was part of me. And so when I was, you know, going through this recovery period, I thought about this way of the warrior that, okay, even though, you know, I don't want to, I need to kind of go back to, you know, the back of my closet, dust off this armor and put it back on. And I'm like, and now I'm prepared to kind of go into battle, so to speak. And, you know, there's this somberness to it. There's a sadness, but there's also, you know, a preparedness because I have, you know, this, this way within me, this strength within me that, you know, I can, Kind of overcome these obstacles that I'm about to face. Yeah, and and you know, in your book, you describe a lot of the obstacles you went through, not only you know, pre-run and race, but you know, during your recovery, like you stated, and and you know that resilience that you <laughs> still to this day a living testament yeah. of, of of it. it. It's just absolutely amazing. And again, the book is out and back um, by Hillary Allen, and it's. I would recommend anybody to read this book because it is just so, especially like I say, I'm just going to get go like where everybody is individually due to COVID and everything else you can relate. Anyone can relate to this book. Um, and that's the thing. I think it was beautifully written on how you, you set everything up and, and scaffold it up and explained your, your, 
your injuries and whatnot. Um, but you know, as, as I was reading it, like, and I, and I, I don't want to downplay anything, but like people have those injuries and it just looks different. But like you said, going back to the Bushido and the way of the warrior, how you show up in the world and how you prepare yourself um, can just really make or break your day. And you, and I don't know, you, I, the other question I wanted to ask on that would be like, were there times where you're like, nope, I just, I just cannot do this. I know you struggled a little bit about it, but like, it's just, I'd say 75 to 80% of the time you were always like, I'm in, I'm doing this regardless. I want to do this, but can you share a little bit of that? Like the Bushido, the way of the warrior and going back into like, you know, not wanting to do it, but you knew you had to do it. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, honestly, it almost felt like a daily struggle. Um, you know, some days, um, I felt, you know, a little bit of motivation, but it was just a, such a huge, I mean, my mobility was extremely compromised. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't use one of my feet. I had, um, two broken arms, a broken back. Like I was pretty limited in my mobility and my return to run was like, I, who even knew, like, I didn't know really the process. And so, it, and I was, you know, at peak fitness one day and then, you know, in a hospital bed, then, you know, and it all changed in a second. And so there was a lot of sadness and a lot of loss and feeling of, you know, loss of self, loss of self-identity. And um, there's a lot of sadness with that. And so that was something I was battling on a daily basis. And so I had to find a way to, you know, find meaning or find motivation um, and, honestly, how I did that was kind of through writing. Um, this is well before I even had the idea to write a book or a story about it, but I would just kind of write down like mantras, or I would write down something to get me through. Like if I was angry, I could, I could use writing as a medium to just express that anger. And then once it was out there, I was like, okay, like that, at least it's out there. Now, what do I do? And, you know, kind of asking me those questions to check in and then always asking me like, why, like, why am I doing this? And um, that for me was really important. And I needed to, to have that complete honesty with myself to let myself be struggling and, and not feel good all the time. Um, and then that in a weird way encouraged me to kind of find meaning and to keep going. Um, it just, that's just to say that it's not straightforward. It's, it wasn't always like, yeah, like I'm in this, like recovery is hard. It's a full-time job. It's, it's hard to change and adjust expectations. And I'm a planner. I like to have a plan and to have a destination. And I had no idea what that destination was. So it was a big struggle every single day to, um, to kind of find that. But the coolest part in that whole thing is that I discovered that I had this really deep-seated belief in myself and this kind of bigger purpose that I wanted to do it for the process, regardless of if that led me back to professional sport or not. And I mean, to, to think about relearning to run, to walk, I mean, a lot of things. What, what were some other things that you had to relearn? Because I, I could only imagine, because I'm a big planner and like, you can't plan you know, when you're kind of relearning things. So yeah. can you explain a little bit of that process about as far as, you know, uh, relearning your steps and, and writing or, or, I mean, did you, you didn't have much of a, like a memory loss or anything, did you, or? Yeah. No. So I was lucky enough to not, I mean, I had a concussion, but I was lucky enough to not have like, you know, a, a TBI or like a, you know, fractured skull. Um, so I was very lucky in that. Um, but but yeah, so like the relearning, I mean, 
it's really hard. So, I mean, I had more faith in like the physical body because I, I knew it would heal, but I felt the hardest part for me was kind of relearning like who I was as a person, like the, 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 almost like the rebirth that I had to go through, um, to redefine myself separate from a professional athlete, like separate from, you know, who I had was, had learned to be right. Um, and that was really the hardest part. It's like, yes, it was painful, like healing from all the physical injuries and, and it was scary learning how to run again. And, you know, all the physical discomfort that I had to go with that and still continue to kind of have to deal with how my body has been changed from this. Um, but really the hardest part for me is that emotional piece because, you know, in many ways, like running can be an escape. Uh, I mean, there's no, there's no lie. There's like this thing called the runner's high, which like can be chemically explained. Um, but you know, that's only escape for a certain amount of time. And then, you know, you're left with your thoughts and who you are when you're not like distracting yourself from all like the busyness of the day or like, you know, the act of running. Um, and so it's like, I would often feel trapped in my thoughts. And, um, so it was really, it's like, it's still a constant process to like, you know, to take care of that mental side of you and that emotional side of you. Um, and I think that that's actually by far more important than, you know, the, like the, the physical health, um, cause you can't have one without the other, but that was really the hardest part for me is relearning to appreciate myself, um, regardless of, you know, attaching my self-worth to, um, to movement or being an athlete. Yeah. Yeah. That, that self-discovery. And again, in this, in the story, uh, again, read the book to, to learn more about it, but it's, it's just amazing what, you went through and with the setbacks and everything that you it's it's just you're just an amazing person I mean for that resilience and the perseverance that you have demonstrated and again 2016 you know five years ago uh you know that's that's it's just it's crazy to see where people can go and and like you said the blink of an eye and things can just change and and a lot of the other things that I took away from your book is the, the gratitude that you were just grateful for your day getting up, having, waiting for that friend to get you down the stairs to go get that coffee or whatever. And, you know, I think those are the little things that we forget and, and don't appreciate as much as we should. And, you know, um, and being a runner, I can totally understand, you know, being trapped in your thoughts. It's like a freaking, you know, dryer just going over and over. And it's like, how do you release this? And, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's cool that, you know, the emotional side, and I, I would definitely agree that, that would probably be the most difficult thing to overcome because if you're not really true with yourself or honest with yourself and where you're at and who you are, man, you're going to have some rude awakenings and that mirror is going to look pretty, pretty, you know, crazy. But, uh, um, but, you know, kind of moving in, you you, you talked about um, going back to your book uh, out and back um, during your college. I don't know if it was your college career that you had kind of more of an eating disorder. Is that where that kind of started? Yeah. So this was an undergraduate and I, and I was honest about this in the book of like kind of writing it um, because as many, I think it's not, it's not uncommon for many professional athletes or high functioning individuals to kind of have these, these issues, especially when you combine it with like, you know, extreme sports or, you know, sport at a high level. Um, And it's, you know, in our culture to kind of pay attention to that stuff. And so when I was an undergraduate, um, I, was on a tennis team. I was on a tennis scholarship and this is where I kind of was in kind of an uncomfortable and more of like a high scrutiny environment. Um, 
you know, on, on a tennis team, like my style was really not one to like wear skirts and like wear makeup to play a sport. Like, <laughs> and, uh, mine was more of like cut off jean shorts or like, you know, cut off t-shirts and like, let's play some tennis. Um, but, uh, you know, being in this environment where, you know, I was kind of inv- like, you know, more susceptible to like, Oh, and especially like in, in, in college, like what you look like and all of this stuff, I kind of got sucked into this community and this unhealthy, um, body image and like almost pressure to like, uh, for eating disorders. It was kind of rampant on the, on the women's tennis team. And that's when I first kind of had struggled with it. And, um, not only did I discover that it was like, um, this mentally described as like a mental trap, like it was just one of the lowest part times in my life. Um, you know, aside from the accident and, um, but also just like this physical trap, like my, you know, I could see how my power as a tennis player was kind of decreasing as I was like, went in deeper into this. And so thankfully I got the help that I needed and, um, you know, it was on the path to recovery and running was a really big part of how that kind of saved me. Um, because I found this sport where I could like celebrate my physical strength and, if I wanted to run, I knew I needed to take care of myself from, you know, a nutritional side of things. And, um, you know, that was something I prided myself on and in the world of trail running where, you know, you can, everyone's body type looks different and it's like, you need muscles to kind of go up and down mountains. And especially the things that I wanted to do, I knew I needed to take care of my body. I couldn't be, you know, like a typical, like quote unquote, um, you know, marathon runner, um, you know, I looked different and, but in the book, I write about how, um, that's actually really difficult because there's still this idea in the world of running and sports that you should look a certain way. And I got these comments, even when I was having success, um, you know, winning races at, you know, on the world stage and people would still comment on, oh, how can you run so fast if you weigh so much, or if you have these muscles and you don't look like this. And, um, I want to be the person that, you know, is an example to other women, um, and to challenge that idea of, you know, what a woman or athlete looks like and, um, what health actually looks like from, you know, a long-term and um, even a performance, an immediate performance perspective. Um, And it's been also really hard even during my recovery periods because, you know, um, I feel like as athletes, like as type A individuals, like you're concerned, like if you're not running or exercising, like, oh my gosh, like what's gonna happen when you're injured? And the coolest thing that I learned is like, your body's gonna tell you what you need. And if you just listen to it and having this, you know, um, more holistic approach, it's like, it's impossible to be at peak fitness year round. And it's impossible to ask yourself and your body to, you know, be completely lean and mean, you know, year round. And in, it's actually healthy to kind of go through these, these fluctuations or training uh, differences in your body, either composition or whatever, based on race season or recovery season. And I think, um, yeah, this is just something that I do want to, I want to focus on. I want to like talk to, especially about to women in the next, you know, and and the generation of athletes that are coming. Um, You know, I think social media in this age, it's like, it's, it's like magnifying glass and the scrutiny that people are always like, you know, they look this, this great way, like year round. It's just like, no, I want to be the voice that says it's like, this is what strength looks like. And this is what 
recovery looks like. And this is what like healthy eating looks like. And yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting. Cause I've, uh, <laughs> I'm actually coming off an in, injury as well. And that was one of the things that mm. everybody's, you know, just listen to your body. And I'm like, Oh man, <laughs> you know, and, and again, if you're not really in tune with what your body and, and how it works. And, uh, and I think that's a lot of the, the things that people don't take, like you said, that holistic approach to really, all right, how do I work on my nutrition? What do I need to do with my strength training? How do I, you know? Um, and I think the thing that I learned, um, basically is like learn to rest, not to quit. Um, mm -hmm. and, and just, you know, take those times to really tune into your body and, and really do what, what is needed. And, um, there's been times where I fought myself and said, all right, I need to go run, but like my body's just not, not letting me do it. So, um, yeah. And that's so important. I mean, I think that that's actually, that's more realistic than anything. And that's actually a healthy relationship with sport rather than this culture, which completely tells you to kind of push through and that more is always better when mm -hmm. really like, you know, your body's going to tell you what it needs. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's fascinating because I, I was, um, I believe when I stumbled upon your book and I started reading, I, I, I was listening to another podcast and I, I think it was the science of ultra ultra running. And they were talking um, to a, a lady and I can't remember her name for the life of it, but they were talking about menstrual cycles and elite athletes. And I, I, I was floored. I'm a guy. I, I was like, I can't imagine that happening, you know, that cycle and trying to train and plan. Mm -hmm. And like, man, it was just, it was just so that's a whole nother level, like of what's going on. And then, like you said, um, you know, you add in the recovery part and, and everything else, the emotional part, it's just a lot of, it's a big gambit going on there with a lot of things that, that you're trying to handle all at once. And, right. um, so that's a whole nother podcast, but well, yeah, <laughs> but that's true, but it's important. I mean, I'm a, I'm a running coach and it's something that I ask my women athletes to, to, to log and, even speaking to that, I mean, it's like when we talk about like low energy availability or people that are kind of restricting calories or not eating enough or training too much and not eating mm -hmm. enough, or they're unable to kind of get on top of their nutrition and they're, especially for ultra running, you're just training too much. One of the ways that you can monitor that like low energy availability is a, like a dysfunction in your menstrual strike cycle, but it's not actually a complete disappearance of it. Sometimes it's a moderation in the duration of it. And it's really tricky because like, as a scientist, like I would like to study this as a, you know, as a physiologist, however, all of the, literally all of the, you know, all of the data that we have for like how we train for a marathon, it's off of men, like all of mm -hmm. this stuff that we know, all of the data that we have, there's not a big enough group for of training with women, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we're applying all of these training things, you know, to women when we're, our physiology is different. And that's yep. a trend in diets, a trend in training and adaptation and load and all of this stuff. And so, yeah, it's similar. We're both humans, but it's also, there's like the things, you know, what separates great from good is, you know, it's, it's, it's minuscule. And, you know, especially if there's a difference in physiology, it's in, in women versus men, like this is something we need to take, take, um, you know, take into account. And it's like, it's one of my big passions of, you know, trying to encourage women. It's like, women are actually perform better in a fed state. And, um, uh, Stacy Sims, she's one of, she's a pioneer in this. Um, she, uh, wrote the book roar, um, and it's women are not small men. And so, um, uh, it kind of talks about all this and she's actually, 
you know, being, she, she's leading the way for, you know, physiological studies uh, for, for women and what that means for athletes, for, you know, how we age, how we train throughout a menstrual cycle and how you can, you know, appropriate load for all of these different times um, um, you know, during the month. It's, it's incredible. And I mean, it's incredible to me that we haven't been doing this, you know, since the beginning. <laughs> well, and that, that's, that's funny to even bring that up. Cause I talked to my wife about that and I was just like, you know, and I don't want to sound like a male chauvinist pig or whatever, but I was just like, I, I just never would have thought of that. Like, you know, and I, I, I was a kinesiology major, uh, physical education teacher for 11 years and, and loved the study of human you know, movement. And I just, and I, and I coach track, I coach wrestling. I coach, I coach a lot of things. I just never thought about that. And like, just to think about like what you're saying, the inside stuff of your body, the outside of your body. And then you even go into, all right, what are we running today? Are we running up or running long distance with revert? I mean, and then plan out like what you're doing for your food intake. It's obviously going to be a little different and you know, lighter here, more, more calories there. And, and then water hydration. I mean, it's, and I think that's, again, the other thing that's kind of renewed a lot of the running for me, what your book did for me was that science part of how do I break this down? I know my body can do it. I'm, I'm personally trying to tackle the mental, emotional side of my running. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know I can show up and run, but is my, is my will, is my ego going to be there with me? I don't know. But, um, but I, I think that's the, the curiosity that I led from, you know, your book and then reading into that part. It's just, it is, it's very fascinating. And I, I, I agree. I, I feel like it's, it's time and it's like way overdue. Like there's gotta be somebody out there just doing some kind of research on that. So. Yeah. But. And I mean, you mentioned too, you're a coach. I think it's also important, like when we're coaching, especially young girls, it's like, especially going through puberty, right? Their body changes a, a, sometimes a lot more rapidly and a lot differently than, than young boys. Like where boys can have a linear progression as they get stronger, build muscle, they can get faster. But oftentimes mm-hmm. women, as they get into sport, you know, they start off, like I'm speaking, like a freshman in high school, maybe they, they haven't gone through puberty yet. They're still very thin. And maybe like if they, you know, sometimes women gain a little bit of weight, certainly if they, you know, they grow breasts and have all the mm-hmm. like, hormones, like your body changes. And so yeah. you might see a plateau or, and so sometimes then these females can get discouraged in sport when their body is changing and there's no plan really that they have to go off of because in our, in our, in, in like the industry or the environment of sport, you know, we're, we're told to believe that it's just this linear progression. Cause look mm-hmm. at these guys that, that, that do it. And, and, you know, in this culture of PRs and constantly getting personal best. So it could be quite discouraging and, you know, maybe discourage women to not continue in sport when, you know, I mean, in the sport of ultra running, like women dominate because I think like endurance and things like this, it's something that's developed later. And a lot of times women actually get better as they get into sport, like past in college and then, you know, past college. So yeah. Yeah. I've, I've seen a lot of, like you said, cause I was out of middle school. And so I was dealing with like the sixth, seventh, eighth grade. And then I'd help them kind of go into the ninth and 10th and um, grades levels. And you're right. A lot of the, the, the filling out as we would call it, but I, I thought it was interesting because they would just continue to do the same routine or same structured, you know, fitness and, 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 and exercise. And it's like, we got to change the game plan for that because obviously this person is changing, but um, so what, what's next for Hillary? <laughs> um, so, I mean, I'm leaning all into the book tour um, and just trying to kind of get um, just as much momentum as I can. Um, 
I really, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting, I'm biding my time so I can actually um, do some events in person like later in the year. Um, and I mean, we're still in a pandemic, so I'm trying to be patient as far as like with personal goals for, for racing and things like this, but I have some goals, um, you know, for the immediate future kind of locally on some personal projects and then um, hopefully some races later in the fall, um, hopefully in Europe. I'm kind of holding out hope for that. So um, we'll kind of see how it goes. But I mean, there's no shortage of, you know, fastest known times to get into some like bike races. I really, I really enjoy that. Um, you know, some personal running projects, uh, just kind of everything. I know that sounds vague, but it's just basically kind of like the wait and see just kind of where we currently are in the world. But until then, just really trying to embrace community and, um, you know, hopefully like do, I'm doing a, um, uh, a renting a van and doing a, a, a book tour, um, so that later in the summer. So I'm really looking forward to that. Just to try to interact with the community. Yeah. I think I saw on your Instagram, was it the, the van that you had that had like the layout and everything? I mean, that, yeah. that's awesome. That's like, that's going to be cool. So are you going to be doing a lot of, uh, obviously, hopefully you'll be posting a lot of pictures and stuff on your, oh, yeah. on your tour. Okay. Cause exactly. I, I love, I love looking at that. It's just amazing. Um, <laughs> and what you do. So, um, well, I'm going to wrap up here. I, uh, Hillary Allen, I thank you so much for your time. Um, you are an amazing individual. Um, I wish you the best. Uh, like I said, I will be a big promotion for your book. I mean, not that I'm anything big or anything, but I have been passing around. I have been sharing it with people. And, um, you know, like I said, your, your, your story of, re of resilience and, and just the emotional journey that you've been through. Um, I, I think it, it's much needed for what people need to do and go through. And, and uh, I appreciate your time. So thank uh, you so much for having me on. Yeah. Keep spreading the word. And I think it starts, it starts small. And, you know, if I make a difference in, you know, just a few people's lives, it makes, it makes a huge, it means the world to me. So thank you so much.